off the ball. And Munster are failing at that detail. It's not the big picture that's killing them. It's it's the minutia, the detail that's taking them apart. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to do anything I can well, to do play it then. country again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? <gasps> now then, what a weekend to reflect on. Very happy to say Mr Pat Nevin is with us. Good evening, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, very well, very well. So we might start at Anfield yesterday. It was uh, second half in particular, but all the way through, I think, it was just a brilliant, thrilling, enjoyable game of football. Yeah, slightly annoyingly, I had to watch it knowing the score afterwards. (laughs) But I wanted to watch it anyway, um, just because it would have been technically very, very interesting, which, of course, it was. Um, The big thing being that, Pep going for that change again. You know, he comes to big games and he makes those changes, doesn't he? Those tactical changes and slightly different systems, etc. Um, but it was, I mean, Liverpool, you know, basically got up for it. Um, they played much, much better. They looked livelier. They were able to lift themselves. Uh, but it could go either way. There's a great moment where there's always a narrative before the game. And of course, the narrative, well, the biggest narrative I was catching was, Van Dijk against Holland and I'm sure a lot of people felt that was going to be the narrative and of course because Holland doesn't score and uh, Van Dijk uh, keeps a clean sheet and does one great header at the end uh, to stop him scoring a goal, that's the narrative you know, he won having said that, Holland did get four clear, decently clear chances didn't he, <laughs> which yeah. he would normally take and it just shows you how how easy these narratives are to be adapted and changed. You know, on another day, and, and many other days, Holland would have scored two or three goals. Um, but I wouldn't have been blaming Van Dijk anyway, I mean, because the, you need at least two to mark Holland. Uh, but it was really, it, it was an interesting, enjoyable, and with plenty of going on. And it was just great to see, you know, Klopp getting overexcited at the end as well. By the way, what's happened to his glasses? So I want to know. Yeah, they're going kind of this season, I think. So he's probably had the old eye surgery. I would think as well he's lost weight looking at him. I think he looks uh, like he's, I don't know, is it stress or is it good living? Well. Yeah. He's done, dumped the hat as well. So I don't know. He's, <laughs> who knows what's at the back of that? Big change of image. But um, no, I, and I, I love the fact that he can get as excited as that and get carried away and care about it. There's, it's not, there's no fakery about it. Um, and then afterwards, he, he, he gets it that he got upset and they shouldn't have. Um, I, 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 that's why the Liverpool fans love him. And it's why I, it's, I admire him hugely as well. And of course, his, his mind games beforehand weren't bad, were they? <laughs> Given it the old, we can't stay with them, we can't get close to them, then you just do them. Uh, that was superb. And, I'm, and it's great for Salah as well. I mean, it's been a wee while now we've been waiting for Salah to come back, but there were moments where he was back to his absolute best. Well, I mean, the goal was exceptional. And you know, you, like, you'd appreciate a moment like that. So uh, he, he senses, presumably he senses Cancelo is going to have a bite and have a nibble. And in one beautiful movement, there is the first touch and there, there is the rolling of Cancelo. That, that just can't be easy. And, and, and as soon as he did it, the whole stadium, <gasps> he's in. You know, it's like, it's like this thrilling moment again. 
I just, you know, if you, if, if the thing when someone's come from behind, right, if you position yourself right, you you actually know I'm either going to get by you or I'm going to get a foul. That's the only two options here. Because if you position yourself right and you you are between the ball and him and he's coming at a pace and you, you can feel it coming, you, you're going to do it. But you need to be able to execute it well. You need to put your body in the right position. The low centre of gravity he's got really, really helped. Um, but the fact that he's so strong, you know, the, 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 one of the many things about um, about him is that you think, oh, you'll just push him off the ball. And you think, well, no, these huge guys sometimes just can't do it because he's, he's got this brilliantly based centre centre of gravity. And, uh, yeah, and when he, he does that, and, of course, uh, I'm sure everyone did see the phenomenal save from his previous one where he did everything perfect as well. And there was that beautiful, that just touched around the corner by Edison. So, you know, he's, he looks back to his best and it was... Uh, because I'd watched him uh, against Rangers. I don't know if many people did watch it. I mean, that was that was incredible when he came on. It was it was he was playing against Rangers team that had a, a bunch of you know two kids at the back almost and the centre back positions. They've lost all their best centre backs, but even so, he came on and do what he did was uh, absolutely fantastic. So it's great to see him back because when he he has dips now and again, doesn't he? And you sometimes think, oh, is that it? Is that the big fade now? Mm. And then you see something like that and you think, ah, maybe not. You just probably needed a, a bit of a rest for a while. And I hope that's him back because playing like that is one of the best in the business. I'm curious to see how you read that goal because the criticism of City is, well, this is their fatal flaw. They left Cancelo completely isolated here. But I, I don't know, I'd be more tempted to see, well, there were numerous Man City players flooding back and all Cancelo has to do there is buy some time. He doesn't need to nibble in just let Salah have the ball back to goal it's ultimately an individual mistake as opposed to a Guardiola mistake in how City are set up or no uh, I'm blaming De Bruyne and it's not for the ball in um, again anybody out there have a, have a look at it um, he plays the cross in and it goes too close to the keeper that's fine then watch what happens De Bruyne watches Salah run straight past him you, you, you should never do that, and it's so. If you have, it doesn't matter who you are. I've got this habit, as you probably noticed over the years. It doesn't matter who you are. If you make a mistake, you do something wrong. You just say it. You, you're not beyond criticism, and we know how much I and many of us love the Brown and don't want to say a ne- negative thing. And it doesn't matter if you're a forward or not. If a guy runs by, runs by you like that, and they're breaking, you go with them. Mm. You just go with them. It does not matter. There is no excuse. There is nothing else. Unless you turn around and see that there's two players waiting for him, you go with them. And it's there's others in the midfield. You, if you, I, being such a bore that I am, I froze it on the moment, right? On this is a wide angle and froze it just to see there are actually three Liverpool players, then Cancelo behind, and Salah runs between them all. And one I'm trying to think, of, it might have been Gundogan turns around as if to point to say, go with him, and they don't. And it's, it's actually unthinkable for, you know, everyone's saying the reasons and Kinsella's getting all, yeah, okay, he dives in. Shouldn't be left one-on-one and you run with the player. Because he wasn't one-on-one. There was nobody up with him mm. because he ran by three players who none of them went with him. So it's, I, 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 would, I would look at that more closely if I was, you know, was arguing about that because you, you focus on that one little bit. It wasn't that. It happened beforehand. Okay, very interesting. 
there's been much talk about Anthony Taylor and his refereeing of the game. And in general terms, he has been praised by Manny. We'll come to the disallowed goal in a moment. But for instance, I think the Sky punditry team were pretty much of the opinion that the let it flow approach on Taylor's part was very, very good for the game. And Graham Sunis was saying as much this morning on uh, TalkSport. Equally, uh, I was listening to Liam Brady. He does a podcast over here with Eamon Dunphy. And Liam Brady said he thought Taylor's performance was awful. And he wasn't just talking about the goal. He was saying, mm. we're getting ourselves very mixed up here. Like, if something's a foul, we have to call it a foul, ultimately. And, and we're just letting this go a bit too far. I, Guardiola's main complaint with the disallowed goal was that Taylor seemed to have spoken to the managers. I, I, is what I took Guardiola mm. to mean. But in effect, he was saying, well, we're having this policy of letting those minor contacts go for the good yeah. of the game and the good of the spectacle. That's all very well. But then as soon as one of those things happens in the build-up to a goal, it's suddenly a foul again and the inconsistency there is, is outrageous. So uh, you start where you want here on this. No, I'm, I'm, that's the rules. He's not a choice, Taylor. He's, he goes by the rules. The rules are that and he's, he's nailed it perfectly. You accept that you allow the game to go on, there's a flow to it. Unless it's a clear and obvious foul that you can show by VAR then it's led up to goal, then the game flows and you get more excitement and it runs better. Um, there will be the odd error. And, and that's and by the way, I still don't think that's an error. He did, he pulled him down. Mm. Thiago was get away from him and he's pulled him over and he's and fell did, over. Did you think in, in the context of the game, would it have been let go if it was just in general play and hadn't led to a goal? Yes, okay. absolutely. No, would that fact, not fry your brain as a player that like my modus operandi here is completely different depending on whether or not leads no, to a you goal don't. or not? The modus operandi is always the same. You just do what you're supposed to do all the time and then they can figure it out later with VAR. I mean, I'd, we'll go on to, I don't know if we'll go on to the Arsenal game which I was yeah. at. There was a moment when it was a big VAR call and Arsenal broke and it was that classic one as they could score here but you know, might also have to bring it back for a penalty kick and it was that moment and that's the modus operandi. You keep on going. Mm. I mean, still, just go back to anyone who played football millions of years ago. Play the whistle. Just keep playing. <laughs> just whatever harms, keep playing. Don't stop. Don't adapt. Don't do anything. They'll figure it out in VAR afterwards. You don't get a choice in that one. And, you know, I think a lot of players are struggling to get their heads around that just now. I mean, still seeing quite a lot of players go to ground, roll about, and the referee says, no, carry on. And they're thinking, no, no, but I usually get a foul for that. Mm. No, get up. And, and, and I think that your more of them will just start getting up now and saying, oh, right, I've not got it, I'll get on and move, as opposed to this rolling about, killing time, ruining a little bit of time as well. So it's not perfect, I absolutely agree. But the big calls, this is what we wanted, or I certainly wanted with VAR, the massive calls, get them right. And uh, you got it right. Okay. It's, it's a harsh one. And if you're a Man City fan, it's tough. And of course, they said, uh, it wouldn't have stood anyway because of you know the kick out of the goalkeeper's hands allegedly. Um, <laughs> but, you know I, I'm actually very I can't say very happy but I get it I absolutely get it and I would rather I'd almost rather it was that than anything else. Don't want to go back to absolutely no VAR and certainly don't want to go back to last season where you know, was the games are two stop start. I, I like the pace of them. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Sunis in this one. I, I love the way the pace has increased. I definitely made for a better game and so mm. I'm kind of happy enough to go along with it but I can just see how it just is a little bit too a la carte for those involved when it's like well I get away with this six times out of ten but then 
the one time there's a goal, I don't get away with it. There's no consistency here. I, like I can see how that's a at, a, at its core, they, just a very unsatisfactory quite, solution. Are, yeah, but most of them are quite subjective anyway. The ones we are talking about here, mm. the real films are given. <laughs> They've given that. Don't worry, you'll get that unless there's obviously there's a you, you, you can play on and, and it helps your team, and you can play an advantage. Um, but in the vast majority of them, you know, it's just they're trying to get rid of something, and it was people buying fouls too easily. That's that's what they're trying to get rid of. They they cheated too far the other way, and in many ways they're paying the price now. Okay. And I, I'm cool with that. I'm okay. absolutely cool with that. Interesting. Um, I think the point might have been made on the TV coverage that you were watching, and uh, it struck a lot of us. Uh, with Liverpool, there was like this underdog spirit that hasn't been the case in the previous uh, couple of encounters. So the crowd were cheering the smallest uh, feet. And even there was a point, and I was, I was thinking of you and thinking of when we spoke after the Fulham game early on in the season, where in particular to me, I just thought Van Dijk looked like somebody who was really struggling to motivate himself to get up for this game against lesser opponents almost and, and to you know start in the long road again. There was a moment in the first half where he slid across the ground to stop a cross coming in and put out for a corner. And I thought, I've, I don't think I've seen Van Dijk at full tilt, full stretch, full intensity like that in, in quite some time. So like there was this uh, Liverpool crowd and team kind of we need to really be up for this and and the interesting question is why haven't they been like that over the last couple of games and will they carry that on now um i've been thinking about this right i think it's a great question and i've been thinking about it a wee bit and i actually think it ties in with your last question um i think the rulings changed and certain teams and certain players can play a different way now they can be higher tempo they actually can go into challenges they wouldn't have thought of doing before the and, and I've watched quite a lot of teams now that I thought, wow, I didn't know you had that in you. Well, they probably did have that energy and that spirit and that tackling, but they were scared to do it because there were all these easy fouls all over the place. So they were they were actually made to look timid. There have been times I've watched Newcastle this season and said, they don't give a stuff. Um, and, I've, and they're not the only ones. There's, there are quite a lot of teams. Fulham did it in that first game. They won't be able to do it every single game. But I'm looking at a lot of teams thinking, you don't care now. You're going, to, especially when they're at home. I have to say, especially when they're at home. Mm. So there's no, there's no real fear of be you Liverpool, be you Chelsea. You know, maybe there is a bit of a fear against Man City still, just because of the Haaland effect. But I think it actually it goes into that. So Liverpool have been actually facing something that I think they've not faced for quite a while with some teams that they've been got at. They're absolutely being chased down and hassled and harried and, and tackled a lot more than they were before. Whereas it was a wee bit easier last season and seasons before to control games because, you know, people were scared to do that. So th- there's a there's probably a number of reasons, but that's one of them. Um, and Because if I'd have seen it with one team, that would be fair enough and then you'd be making this big example of it. But watch Leeds United doing it. They're the same. They're exactly the same. They will close you. They will chase you. They will give you no pace. They have no space at all. They will not be frightened of you. Um, and I'm looking around the league, and and loving watching something. Now they can't do it all the time, but they're a lot more trying to do it. And you can now play that higher tempo game, but also a bit more in your face. And also, in simple terms, to use the old language, be a bit more physical. And it's easier for a team that's less talented to be physical. It just that's the way it is. To, to what extent do you think a performance and a, and a win like yesterday might jumpstart something approaching the Liverpool title challenge now? Um, oh, title challenges, 
asking a lot. That's a lot, but no. It's asking a huge amount. And, but, you know, Darren Nunes, he's, he's, you know, he, he could become much better. He's a he's a young player, you know, he, he could improve, he could get much better. Um, certainly when I've seen them in the flesh this season, which was that 9-0 Bournemouth game, they looked all right then. Um, so there is capabilities there, but it's a, it's a huge amount of wins in a row. I think you don't get carried away quite yet. It's one game, it's a home game. Mm. Let's see how they do in the next two or three games and then you can tell. You don't. You have no concerns about Man City. I don't think anyone's concerned about them, even though they lost. Whereas with Liverpool, yeah, be up for that one, but let's see the next two, three, four games and, and then after that you'll have a, a decent idea. Do Win the next three or four in a row in the league, I'm with you. They're back on, they could chase. One of the early uh, murmurs about uh, Darwin Nunes from training was that maybe Liverpool staff were a touch disappointed at some of his decision making under pressure high intensity uh, that moment where he doesn't see Salah that would set off alarm bells I think for a lot of people there's but people do that and they have to learn and you learn a lot in training with that specific skill there's a lot to be learned I can remember hearing exactly the same phrase that you're saying to me about Andy Robertson when he went to Liverpool exactly the same precisely that in fact they were laughing at him um, but he trained and he trained and he was with them and he learned it and he, he understood the technical things that they all had to do um, and sometimes people come in sometimes players come in and they're you know they're technically great they see everything and that's fine you know but, if, but maybe if they've been playing in a, a type of league where it doesn't quite happen at that pace there's a chance to play a ball in but it's there for a second and whereas if you've got De Bruyne, that ball will, will arrive. Yeah. You've got most players, that ball will arrive. You know, you, you've come from a league where you had time to go, oh, right, oh, that, there it is. Oh, I, th- I think I'll play that now. You know, you've got that time, bang, you're out, you've no chance. And it's about when you train. That's why you ever watch them doing the rondos and all that sort of stuff. It is lightning quick, they do it, because they're trying to move your brain up to that speed. And so I would hang off them for a wee while. To, to find out if he's capable of doing that. And remember, he is young as well. So, you know, they, they've been, they've done well when they've got technically gifted players. And they have got a lot of phenomenally technical gifted players. And you think, well, everyone should be like that. Well, not everyone is. And some of them have to be brought up to speed. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate him off yet. OK, let's circle back to something you mentioned at the top, um, Pep, and, and throwing a, a, a spanner in the works tactically. It's not every day in a studio, uh, not least yesterday, where you'd have two pros like Neville and Carragher just outrightly disagree on what uh, formation a team played in the 90 minutes they just watched. Like it was, it was amazing. I don't know if you saw that as you watched afterwards. So it was kind of like, you're like, well, if those two can't uh, agree on what we've just seen, then what hope do the rest of us have? So why don't you tell us in your view, what formation did the two managers play? More of a basic question than I've often asked you. That very, very simply this, and it's, and it's, it's so funny to watch it because I don't think there's that many top managers are playing a, a system during the game. I don't think they're playing a system anymore. Um, and that, how upsetting is that? Because we all want to hold on to these numbers. But they are, they are deliberately fluid, right? And, and, it's, and if it only was as simple as it's system A when you're on the ball and system B when you're off the ball, because... That's not new. That, that's that been sure. done a lot. We, we get that. But it's subtler than that. And it's happening all the time. And it's driving me slightly mad. Because I'm watching Potter doing it now. Graham Potter's doing it now. And you've absolutely set up. And you go, all right, it's a back four. And I've got that. Yeah, so, and then you look again and you go, no, you're a back three. And 
it's what they do. They clearly work in training. And I'm just using defence now because that's the simplest part because when you start going on to inverting your full-backs and getting them to set up front as wingers, it gets really all over the place and sometimes I think too complicated for the players. Mm. Um, and that's, that is true. That can get too complicated. Um, but I, I, I watch them now and I, I think they've got a number of players in each of the teams now where they say, right, when you're going now, we are now, we'll all move. So this is kind of close to the Dutch thing, the kind of total football ideal, which if you listen to what Cruyff used to say, and it was this whole, you know, the whole round thing and one in the middle, and it doesn't matter where you are, but you will always cover the other player. And that's kind of where you're trying to get to. So good luck trying to figure out what that system is, because that ain't really a system. Mm. And I, I think there's a bit of that going on. I think certainly a, a, less of it with Klopp, because... With Klopp, he'll he'll adapt it and it'll be subtle, but you know it's you'll know that it's a back four and you'll know that there's a couple of players or three players there and you'll know that there's one or two between them. Um, but I think with the likes of Potter and the likes with Pep, it gets much much more subtle than that. Um, and funny, I had a laugh because it was there was watch I went on three different websites to see what Chelsea's system was. And they were all different. <laughs> the weekend, every one of them was different. I had that experience because so, I knew I was going to ask you about Chelsea later on and I didn't see the game in full, so I wanted to check and I've had different answers as well. Exactly. So, and be, that's right. With, with City, though, for instance, like so often it is a bit more apparent than it might have been yesterday. Like if you take their right-hand side, or even both sides, there's often uh, the full-back and then, say, De Bruyne on the right-hand side and then let's say it's it's... Bernardo Silva or Mahrez ahead of him you'll mm-hmm. often see that shape where De Bruyne is making a run on the inside channel ahead of the winger in front of him and that, that's a fairly familiar pattern and that kind of pops up again and again for instance what did Pep do that was maybe slightly different uh, to what he usually does um, I, I just felt that because it was a more obvious three-ish at the back mm. and Cancelo wasn't always there and Akanji was in a slightly different position then and then you were asking guys who are not fullbacks to do the fullback position. When like, Aki's not a fullback, he really isn't a fullback. So, you, but you ask him sometimes to go and do the fullback position, mm. and he kind of looks at the slight fish out of water when he's doing that. He's very, he's played there before. He's a better centre back. He's a he's better centre midfield player. You know those sort of things. So he's asking players, but he believes they can all do it. He believes they can all adapt and change to that situation. Um, I, I felt more a lot of the time they were three-ish, but then as soon as you th- you had your mind at the back of me, you had your mind on that, you thought, oh god, he's, he's, he's adapted again, and, and, and where are you going, Cancelo? Oh, you were back there. Actually, kept, De Bruyne always moves and always adapts. Mm. I think one of my favourite things watching Pep over the years, trying to get inside his head and see what, what not, not the shape you're trying to do, where's the weakness you're trying to get to? And I've, I've I've often seen that he's he's pulled players in certain places because he's seen the weakness in the opposition and thought that's where the weakness is. So you're you're, you're almost squeezing your whole team to it's like you're being on a boat and you're moving everyone to the side and everyone falls over a wee bit, you know, so that you can create this overlap. And I think he tries to do that and then overthinks it sometimes. Well, it did seem like Bernardo Silva was definitely drifting over to the left-hand side quite a bit. It was, he started ahead of the run on the right, but it did seem like they looked at James Milner and said, well, we're going we're gonna to get bodies over there and let's see how Milner's looking. But I, I don't know if that worked necessarily. Yeah, well, that's... 
you're not gonna you're not gonna spend your time really trying to do Robertson if you've got Milner at fullback. You're gonna do you're gonna try and do Milner. It's, yeah. it's kind of the obvious thing to do. Now, but that's nothing new against Liverpool because everybody knows that's where the weakness was defensively. When you, you if you go at that sort of position, but I do on it. I think it's sometimes again you can overthink it uh, when we all can overthink it, but. I think he's thought, right, that's how we do them. That's how we beat them. That's how we get in a position so that we can put crosses in uh, so that, we're obviously, Holland can then score from them. And then it kind of wasn't really working because it was a, a cleverness. And I thought Harvey Elliott, I mean, I, I, he's a fabulous player. He's just... I was thinking of him when we were talking before about Nunes. Yeah. And Nunes comes in, a bit, uh, and you see why is he not got these technical stuff, they're doing the right thing at the right time. And then you watch your youngster at Harvey Elliott and you go, you've got it all, mate. <laughs> you get it right all the time. Mm. You're class. You're an absolute class act. Um, but Harvey Elliott did a lot of the other stuff. And what we were talking to you about you know, a few weeks ago about the two sitting midfielders now. Yeah. So it was Thiago and um, Fabinho. They kind of, when they do that, they're just a bit better. You know, they just looked a bit better structured. They looked, you know, harder to get by. And if you've got Elliott going back and, and doing the job of a, the, the, the whole line there to cover his fullback in, the, in a very old-fashioned way, cover your fullback that's maybe needs a, needs a little bit of help. It, that was that wasn't even particularly complicated, but it, it was completely effective. Yes. Well, it was an interesting game. We're going to take a very short break because uh, there's a whole other weekend's uh, worth of football to chat to you about on the far side. Pat and Evan staying with us. The football show is brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. We're back in just one second. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live only on Sky Sports. This is News Talk. Welcome back. We're chatting through the weekend's football. Pat Nevin is with us. We've touched on events at Anfield. Obviously, Arsenal very, very happy with how the weekend turned out. They are four points clear of Manchester City. Same number of games played. They uh, beat Leeds United 1-0 1-0 at Ellen Road yesterday. Eventually, I mean eventually, it was uh, looking in doubt for some time. They uh, put some money in the meter and got going. So you were there, Pat? I was. I'll tell you what. It's among the most enjoyable games I've been to for a long, long time. Uh, it was a cracker. Uh, obviously, the, it was infuriating with the, the big delay at the start. Um, Arsenal played some football in the first half. Uh, they some absolutely brilliant. There were a couple of moves that were... Honestly, they purred, and you just thought that's a thing of great beauty. And you're pleading with them to score at the end of it. Mm. Uh, and you just thought, you know, you you will eventually tire out Leeds and fall apart. And then they got the goal, and you just seen it all coming. Then the hell you did. <laughs> Leeds were absolutely phenomenal in the second half. I loved, loved what they did. Um, they're actually, they everybody's had question marks over Jesse Marsh. You know, and, and that's that's normal. He's a new guy in, and it doesn't help he's American because some people you know, make question marks over him. But the bravery of his team in the second half, they absolutely battered Arsenal. They battered them. It's a complete and utter. And I'm getting, I got a lot of stick on, uh, in certain parts of social media because I was basically saying that. And Arsenal fans, oh, you're biased against Arsenal. No, I'm not. You got hammered in the second half. That's it. There's no getting around it. The luck that they had to, you know, ride to finish that game. And there was a whole bunch of them. Um, I, I almost seem to watch Leeds every time and, and, and don't understand. I mean, the last time I seen them live was against Chelsea. They'd done them 3-0. Um, 
they've got Sinistera, fabulous player. Aronson was off the scale. What a, what a game he had. It was absolutely destroying them. Such a shame for Rodrigo because he was playing brilliantly. Then he has one bad pass and, of course, it destroys the entire game for him. But all the way through their team, they were great. I should be talking about Arsenal just now, shouldn't I? No, 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 you're fine. You it's your, your takeaway you from the game. You can't, OK. That's, that's the point. You can't really because that second half performance was so exceptional from right. them. And Arsenal, the problem the problem of Arsenal slightly got right. They go away from home. Every game's away. Every Almost every game away from home is going to be hard now, right? Just about everyone, for the reasons mentioned before. It's different now. Teams are allowed to hassle you. They're allowed to be more physical than before. And they can be upbeat. And by the way, you can make five substitutions so you don't get as tired as you used to get. So yeah. you're going to actually get a faster game now. And I'm watching that with Brentford's and Leeds and Newcastle and a lot of them. It's, and it's, and it's, it's great, but it's hellish, hellishly hard to play against for some teams. Everyone's been waiting for to see what the weaknesses uh, are at Arsenal. And various things have been tried. And, you know, when they... They did, yeah, they did Liverpool, you thought, wow, that's that's a real deal. And obviously they did Spurs before that. And you're thinking, yeah, and they're playing great in the first half. And then they get closed down and you've no idea how bad they were trying to play out for the back. Right. <laughs> you're thinking, whoa, steady on. Are you really that? Because I hadn't seen it before. Because they played this beautiful football out from the back in the first half. Second half, honestly, they looked Amateurish is hard. It's not amateurish. They they, they were one of the poorer teams were they? playing out to the back. And did Gabriel get caught often as a matter of interest? Because he Saliba still, and Gabriel both. Yeah, both of them. Absolutely both of them. Ben White in the end, they took him off, and that was kind. That okay. was really kind of them to take him off because he was getting caught consistently. The intelligence of the closing down for the uh, from Leeds United was brilliant, and it was helped by Bamford because he's really clever at that stuff. He knows when to do it. He knows when to set it off. Mm. He, just could not move, couldn't get out, and it was, uh, it was honestly, the, and the buzz of the place. I mean, Ellen Road, Road, what a place to go and watch a game of football. I mean, really, you, I mean, they laugh at the southern softies, uh, <laughs> and you understand why, because you go there, and it, it is amazing to watch a game of football. Um, and the fact that they're now playing much more grown-up football than they were under Bielsa. It's, it's just, ah, well, I wanted to ask you about that. So under Bielsa, it was uh, thrilling and it was talked about as being man-for-man man almost and teams gradually got to grips with that and unpicked it. So it's more sophisticated than that, perhaps? Yeah, yeah it's more, definitely more sophisticated than that. Um, the players don't leave, like watching the fullbacks, they don't. They, they will fly forward, but that's OK. You've got the lad Adams. And that Tyler Adams is, is fabulous, a great player. And that centre midfield, you know, destructive position. He's a super player, and he reads the play brilliantly. And if he's, I mean, those the fullback strike was up against Saka, and it, it was a mismatch because Saka's, you know, just lightning quick against a guy who's average pace. But the help that Strike got when it was spotted that he had a problem, be it Rocker, be it Adams going over, it, it was really clever under Bielsa. You're not going to help him because everyone's bombed forward. <laughs> There's nobody left to help because mm. everyone's flown away. You don't get that. It's much better than that. So even though they're they're brave and they're sharp and they put players forward, it's done intelligently. It's done okay. with, a, with a, a good thought in mind and they'll be much, much harder. And I know they're not in a good position just now. They're near the bottom of the league, but honestly... I, I don't have any worries for them. If you're a Legion United fan, they did get a, they get standing ovation for a lot of the fans coming off the pitch. 
when they calmed down because the game did go absolutely mental right at the mm. end. Which was, uh, do you know you're doing your your job or any of us listening, you're doing your job and there are difficult moments. Well, we had one of our difficult moments doing the commentary because you're watching it and thinking, what the hell happened there? <laughs> is that sending off? Is that a penalty? Oh, yeah. Was that booking? Should it be this? Should it be that? It's a 96 minute. This is mayhem. Um, and it was, it was, but it was so exciting because it happened in front of the noises part of Leeds fans, and it was, uh, it, and the Leeds fans were, they, they're not stupid, they got it. That's a, that's a right good team. Whereas if you look at Arsenal, they were second best. They were very, very lucky mm. uh, to get the three points. But that's the point everyone's making. Mm. And times going by, they lose that. Yeah, they absolutely lose that. But they didn't this time. We'll, we'll watch this space. I, I want to chat to you about Chelsea Villa in a second, but just to touch uh, briefly, as you were watching the game at Ellen Road, it finished Newcastle uh, nil, Manchester United nil at Old Trafford. So uh, we don't have to get too in-depth on the specifics here because I appreciate you didn't see it. But uh, just one thought for you. Uh, Ronaldo's always talked about as this great pro. like, And his apologists in the media talk about what a great professional uh, he is. That has to extend to when you're substituted behaving like an adult and setting an example and a cultural example and not shaking your head for the whole world to see. He's not a great pro if he behaves like this. Right. Well, you're going to get me any trouble again because I was doing the co- my coverage, right? And an hour before the game, I had a number of other former pros, uh, one of whom had played at Real Madrid, um, and all saying... He should be playing. He should be starting every single game. He's the man. He's this. He's that. He scored 700 goals. Had Darren Fletcher saying he's a star, and I'm going, well, no, <laughs> actually, he should actually start behaving like a footballer, a correct, be, correctly behaving footballer. When it's not working for you, mate, you've got to do it for the team. If you're left out, you should come on for half an hour and work your socks off. I know you're Ronaldo. It doesn't matter. You have to do the right things. And I, I have to say, I was I was one against four, but I stood my ground. <laughs> I really stood my ground on it. Because, and I'm thinking, I know it's going to happen here. He's going to score the winning goal, and everyone's going to say, oh, I told you, what do you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't willing him to do badly. But I was thinking afterwards, you know, you, you, there's a reason why a number of managers left him out or, or tried to get him to play and, and in a way that is, he can and be very, very effective for a short period of time because he's a, a super player, he's a, a super goal scorer, but he's, a, he's not a super man. He is human and he's of a certain age. And you can't do those things anymore that he used to do, particularly in closing teams down. Each manager he's, he's been under in the last couple of years has said that. And everyone seems to blanket because they almost, I think, they just don't want to accept it. He has to get his head right and say, look, this isn't about me. It's not about 700 goals. It's not about I want to play in the Champions League. It's not about I've been subbed, so I'm going in a big huff about it. Now, classically, you don't want to be happy being subbed. But you just want a downer, it wasn't everyone. Because everybody knew. Everybody knew that that was the focus then. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be saying, right, team, you should be going to Russia, go on, go on and score a goal. That's how you, that is what you want in your team. And my point I made before the game was, Sir Alec Ferguson in his day would never have accepted it. Mm. Absolutely not. Because it doesn't matter if you're Beckham, or it doesn't matter if you're Stam, it doesn't matter who you are. If you don't show the right attitude, you're out. 
And worst of all, Ronaldo knows better than anyone that it's going to be the focal point afterwards. And he's doing it very deliberately. And like, I, I, I'm open to uh, various people in the media saying, well, he should have been left on. He was the most likely goal scorer. They needed a goal. It was a mistake to take him off. That's fine. That is a separate issue. But yeah. I think those same people in the media are just apologists for everything he does. And he's an example to the young players there. And he's hanging out his manager to dry. And he's doing it deliberately. And he's, uh, uh, we would call him a Mayfainer over here. Paddy's uh, <laughs> out for himself. Yes, and I think we know that, and, and I think that is part of the reason that made him brilliant. It sure, was part sure, of the totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you better keep on being brilliant, because the moment you're not brilliant and you do that, you are you you, you you can actually become a liability. He's not a liability yet, but you can become a liability. And you can certainly have a, an awful effect on the team. You can have a dreadful effect on the group spirit. Uh, the argument I was having with some of them was, they were saying, there are special stars that are different. They're allowed to behave differently. They're allowed to do certain things, you know. So Marcus Rashford's not allowed to do that, but Ronaldo is allowed to do that. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And I'm not. I just not having it. I just don't think they're having it. Because you know what? I don't think Holland's going to walk off the pitch in a big huff. I think he's going to stay on there and work his socks off. And when he comes off, he's going to say, "Come on, team, let we're all together on this." And I think Holland could be one of the greatest players that we see. And we, we don't know if that's the case yet. We'll have to wait and see. But for any point in his career, he's that he turns into that player who doesn't care about anyone else and only cares about himself. I will think far, far lesser of him. Mm. And I, I suspect when you get right down there, the way the game is, you don't win champ you don't win championships. You certainly don't win the Premier League unless everybody is on board together. And that's that's final, full stop. Stephen Gerrard was booed. I wouldn't say it was the whole stadium in unison, but he was booed at full time after Chelsea's 2-0 win. Uh, Mason Men scored uh, his first goals of the season. He scored both Chelsea goals. For Graham Potter, he's unbeaten in six. He's won his last five as uh, Chelsea manager. Uh, really, though, the truth of the matter here is Villa can genuinely count themselves as being very unlucky. That is not a fair reflection in those 90 minutes. Absolutely not. Uh, Kepa was phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, man of the match, without a doubt. Although some people would have said Mount. Um, they were the better team for about 50 minutes, 60 minutes, something like that. Um, and I just, I do feel terribly sorry for Villa. And I, I desperately hope, I mean, they're putting the pressure on Gerard, and who knows if they're going to cave in or not. I don't think they should. I think that team that I've watched this season, had the, the strikers been their normal selves, they, they would be easy top half easy top half. They've, they've created so many chances in a lot of games. Okay, they've not been brilliant and you can now see a few signs of a lack of confidence but there's enough quality there. They play a really good style of football and I just think they've, they've had a, a bit of a, a dodgy start, a bit of an iffy start. There's a lot of teams that I would, if I was a fan of, I'd be more worried about than Villa and I think Steven Gerrard definitely deserves a lot longer. Some people saying it's getting towards time now. There's nothing wrong with Boone. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're booing the manager or booing some of the players or booing the fact that you're just fed up because you get beat again. But in actual fact, I will not be shocked. In fact, I hope and totally expect that Villa will be okay this season and they'll be back up easy mid-table and maybe even above it. Okay. Just with a little bit of, a, a, a bit of luck in front of the goal. That's all they need. Tiny bit. Have a look at the results. Just go through all the results and look how often they get a draw or lose by a single goal. Honestly, it's nothing. But for them, it's just tiny, tiny, tiny margins. Okay. 
And before you go, what's the early feeling on Graham Potter then? How's it going? Um, well, uh, the worst joke in the world is they think Potter is magic. Um, I'm really sorry about that. Um, <laughs> such an old one. He's, they love him. Here's the weird thing. One weird thing. One weird, and I don't know if I said it before. Um, I've not really yet, now I didn't see all of the game yesterday, mm. but I've not really yet seen a Chelsea player have a bad game under Potter. That's weird. He's used 20... 21, 22 players, and nobody's actually come off and thought, oh, he was rubbish, or he didn't play well. Every one of them's doing it for him. It's the weirdest thing, considering how poorly they were playing just before that, and how some of them were having right stinkers before that. So at the moment, they're excited about it. They're changing systems every 20 minutes, yeah. or something less than that. It's during games. You have no idea what he's going to do week to week. Um, and... You just kind of like him. He's, okay. a, he's, he's one of these guys that at the, the club have fallen in love with him already. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we are out of time. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you. Cheers. Pat Nevin with us here on uh, Monday evening. The uh, football show is brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Back in one sec. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more. Live only on Sky Sports. This is News Talk.